What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Boochcast. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a special edition of The Boochcast that we're doing. Um, as we mentioned on last week's show while we were on the road, uh, we had a few uh, scheduling changes that took place in uh, our personal lives, so we were not able to watch the AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view on Saturday. However, we did manage to watch the pay-per-view over the course of the last uh, few days that we've had, and we decided to do something special. And we're going to air this particular recap on its own 
own separate tracks. If you listen to it right now, it says AEW Double or Nothing 2020 Recap. That's what we're calling this because all we're going to do for this one is talk about Double or Nothing. And then the AEW episode that followed that will be on Monday's episode of the Boochcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, for this special event, I do have to introduce my co-host at this time. He is the AEW correspondent. Great friend of mine. Great mind for wrestling. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one, the only... Mr. Elvis Delinsky. All right, a big round of applause for me, LVD, your AEW correspondent. Thank you so much for having me, Benny. Absolutely, man. You know, like I can't do this without you, brother. Man, this is fantastic. Uh, cannot wait to talk about this pay per view. A lot of craziness went down during this show. Now, of course, um, I didn't watch the pre-show. Did you? Um, I did go back and watch it because it was free on there. So you can watch it, I think, on YouTube now, um, the free one. But I did watch it. Uh, I think, who was it? Uh, Private Party versus the, the, the Best Friends. <laughs> exactly. And um, I, I only say that because I don't really watch the pre-show. So the pre-shows, I have nothing to say about it because I don't do pre-show. But if you want to talk about it, feel free. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of weird to hear because you usually watch the pre-show for WWE. Um, I guess, like, it's in the background, I guess, because we put it on there and it's on. But, yeah. Uh, well, well, during watch parties, we put it on in the background because I know other people like to watch it. But me personally, if I'm watching by myself, I don't. I don't watch the pre-show. I got you. It makes sense. No, I mean this is pretty good. Obviously, this is for the number one contenders match, which kind of points me in the direction of where is uh, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno? Are they somewhere stuck because of the coronavirus where they can't make it out, or what's going on? Because that's the number one contenders as of right now. They haven't been prevalent on the show, and now that we have Brody Lee, who is currently, you know, uh, the leader of the Dark Order, you haven't really seen all those people, all those components together. So to me, it's I'm kind of thinking. I said, okay, maybe they're just kind of biding their time until they get back. And then I really want to see the Dark Order, you know, come back together. But that's a different story. But uh, the number one contenders are not there. So now this is for the number one contendership for the um, tag team titles. And I got to say, I haven't seen Private Party on my TV screen in quite some time. But I have been watching Being the Elites, which I keep reminding you guys, if you watch Being the Elite, it's one of the best things on the internet when it comes to wrestling-related material, especially for AEW, for continuity purposes, for storylines, little inside jokes. Um, the two-hour show we get each week um, only could portray so much about the um, development of these characters. Being the lead adds a little bit more legwork when it comes to it. Also, you know, um, AEW Dark is good too on Tuesdays. But if you're going to watch anything on TV, it's funny. It's fun-humored. It, it relates to what we're watching here in AEW. And if you want to have some uh, storyline, some kind of uh, back, um, backstage segments and just them cutting a rug, um, being the lead is pretty cool. Now, Peter, I'm going to ask you, what was the last time you saw being the elite? Um, the last time I saw uh, being the elite was when they did that 100th episode. You know, they showed a couple oh. clips of it, and I saw some of that. And I remember that the match was the Bucks fighting each other, and they were pretty much fighting all over, like, their house, their backyard, this tennis court area. They were doing a lot of crazy high-spot shit that I was like, what the fuck are they doing this to themselves? Like, it was it was nuts. But obviously, it was uh, eh, somewhat enjoyable. But either way, like you said before... That's, that's, uh, that's episode 200, not 100. Well, okay, it was, it, was, it was one of the hundreds. I can't remember <laughs> exactly. I just know that that was what popped up. 
up, so I went back and saw that because they showed clips of it on uh, AEW. So I went and saw that, and then they had um the and then of course uh, Private Party. I kind of felt they should have won because I like Private Party as a much better tag team than the Best Friends. But uh, although they have been getting better, so hopefully it'll be a great tag team match. Either way, we'll find out at Fighter Fest because I think that's when the match is supposed to happen: the Best Friends versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega. I mean, I'm not too keen on the Best Friends myself, but at the same time, like they've been appearing every week where uh, private parties are sitting at home. Uh, so realistically, I'm like, I'm okay with the Best Friends winning here. Now, it was a pretty good match, but I mean, I, I think the ring rust kind of showed in this match when it came to private parties. Because usually they're on point uh, when it comes to the match, and in this one, like they were kind of sloppy. So I will point that out. That was just a pre-match, so that's something that you know it was a lot long from it. But at the same time, it was still like, what the hell, boys? Like you know, uh, you guys are professionals, and you guys can't. It's like being in the gym, right? It's like okay, well the gym's closed. You sort of push into the house. Um, if you guys are hunkered together, then you guys should be doing something, you know. But I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but anyway, after we get through the um, the uh, buy-in, as they call it, we get to the first official match. What was that? I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, we have the first official match of AEW Double or Nothing, a casino ladder match for a shot at the AEW World he- World Heavyweight Championship. We had Darby Allin versus Colt Cabana versus Orange Cassidy versus uh, the Bitch Boy, Jelly Geneva, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian with Jimmy Havoc and Penelope Ford, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and a mystery opponent who was revealed to be the Machine Brian Cage. And boy, oh boy, was it a surprise. I mean, this thing was pretty good. I thought it had some really good high spots, though. But, uh, man, Janela, man, uh, I don't know. He looked kind of sloppy on this one. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm not, I'm not going to bad mouth. I know you guys are having your Twitter feud or whatever you guys are doing. But at the same time, like, man, he just was, he kind of killed it for me in this one. Uh, he's doing a couple spots where, I'm not sure what it is about him when he runs, but it looks like he's running like, um, oh, boy, how do I call it? He's like, when he doesn't dive, it's like he's not... He's not doing everything he's supposed to be doing correctly. I don't. It just seems kind of weird whenever he's doing something when it comes to doing dives. He doesn't dive like head first or, or anything safe. He just kind of does it in a, in a very pussy like way, you know? Yeah, and I, I noticed and, that. Um, and like, he, like, like one spot where he jumped from, um, he jumped into like a couple of people, um, and then like he did a Scooby Doo run where he was running a place and then did like um, he jumped on a chair. He he's like jumped on a chair or something and like flipped over the railing. I mean. It was a cool spot, but it just seems like, it just seems like, I don't know, I just can't put it together, like, uh, can he not run? Does he not know how to run? Right? Uh, the same thing with this match, does Joey Janelle, uh, does uh, Orange Cassidy have to know how to throw the ladder? Um, there's a lot of comedy spots, which is okay sometimes, but this is like your beginning of, like, other than a pre-show, this is like your, this is like the thing to do, right? This is supposed to be your main match, so people put their money in, and it was pretty, don't get me wrong, it was, it was pretty cool, you know, it was pretty good for what it's worth, for all purposes, it was fun for what they did. Um, but at the same time, if someone watched this for the first time or watched this pay-per-view and that was the first match, there was some bright spots. Darby Allen, I think, is a fucking gem when it comes to this match. Uh, um, you know, all these people running back and forth and trying to reach for a ladder and Brian Cage came in like a wrecking ball and just demolished people. And I, I like the fact that Taz came out there. Came out there. Remember what I said before about uh, Taz maybe possibly recruiting? He got Brian Cage? That's pretty amazing. I cannot wait to see if Darby Allen follows suit and then Taz starts his own little yeah, or if there beco- eventually becomes a rivalry between Brian Cage and Darby Allen because Darby Allen like rejected Taz, so maybe Taz uses uh, Brian Cage to get revenge. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some different possibilities. I think, like, uh, Tess was trying to recruit him first. He saw talent on him. But he already had, like, Brian Cage under Coolidge. So maybe now, like, he's like, okay, well, I got Brian Cage. Imagine if you came together. You guys can become tag team champions. Or, or, or even better. This is what I thought about. What if, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, uh, Brian Cage, which is, you know, uh, in this match, Brian Cage laid waste to everybody pretty much. And he won the casino chip. But now you got Brian Cage going for the championship after John Moxley. And then you have... Um, Darby Allen go for the TNT title. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and obviously, as we mentioned, yeah, as we mentioned, Brian Cage uh, ends up winning the casino ladder match, which I thought was great because, like I said, it was like was said uh, before on the last episode of the Boochcast was that uh, Scorpio Sky and Luchasaurus were the only like two people I saw as believable going for a world title shot at this stage. Everybody else just kind of looked like what the hell. And so to see Brian Cage come in and win, I was like, I believe this. My only complaint is the fact that they're having the match at Fighter Fest and not at All Out. I, I have a bit of an issue with that. I feel like this is a match that needs to be on your biggest event. It should be like, you know, it's like the Royal Rumble gears you up for the match at WrestleMania, not Elimination right. Chamber and Fastlane. So I have a bit of an issue with where it's taking place. That doesn't change the fact that I expect it to be an amazing match, and I think there's a strong chance. I think Brian Cage is going to win. I think they're going to push him to the moon and give him the title. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's so many different possibilities when it comes to this match. So, I mean, I mean I'm just excited about, you know, um, Brian Cage being because I've been watching again Lucha Underground season four. Um, we were big fans of him back then. I know you went to Impact for a while now. I haven't watched Impact or whatever they're calling it today um, in quite some time. I had I kind of fell out of it. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, it was good to see Brian Cage. I'm glad he came out to that. Um, I think it was a pretty good ladder match. It wasn't like the best. The comedy stuff is kind of getting to me now because I don't like my comedy with wrestling. I don't. I like pure wrestling. Comedy spots in between. Um, so I just wish CW would clean that up a little bit because there's a lot of spots where like Mark was stuck. Um, you know, he pulls out the little three-foot ladder and tries to get someone a, a choke slam. You know, I mean, small stuff like that is okay from time to time, but it seems like they're relying kind of heavily on a comedic route as opposed to anything else. And, you know, how you just sit there and build a person like Brian Cage or Luchasaurus in these kind of matches? Yeah, you make it look like beasts, but you're fighting against, like, the land of, of little people, really. I'm sorry. I mean, that's that is, and that is. And that's the That's been one of the biggest complaints people have had with AEW is the fact that they do a lot of stuff that's either goofy or not believable. And that's been one of those issues. But AEW, I think so, they sometimes they overdo the comedy because I feel like they're trying to say. I think I feel like they're trying to do it sometimes as a fuck you to guys like Cornette. Like fuck you, Jim. We can do whatever we want and draw money because we're AEW and we're the new kid in town. And it's like, yeah, but if you keep overdoing it, eventually public's gonna get tired of it and look at you guys as children. And stop pl- and stop wanting I mean, to watch. It's going gonna, it's gonna to wear out and welcome. It's what it's what's going to break break down to now. I never say there's a bright spot in this match that happened to do with Orange Cassidy and Joey Janela. It was like that Death Valley driver on the chip. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Darby Allen being run around like a, like a tornado in the middle of the air. I mean, it was some good spots. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't like really um, take away from the comedic spots. Stuff that shouldn't really have been on the pay per view. I think like if this is a major pay per view, make it seem real and better. And to start the show, I think it could have been a lot, lot better and it was. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying it was a bad beginning show, but I think if you're going to sit there showing money off a pay-per-view like that, there's no way you should be spending that kind of money. I mean, that should be your beginning match. So, if they didn't watch the buy-in, they watched exactly when the time it started, they saw that, it's like, okay, we get it. You know, you like your little comedy spots, but that should not be the one, especially when you know, you're debuting someone like Brian Cage because he's all serious and having all the shenanigans happening in the ring, it's kind of like, what the hell, man? Yeah, it just got ridiculous and on that note, we're going to move on 
on to the next match of the evening. We had MJF with Wardlow versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I think that's one of my favorites. Jungle, uh, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is quickly becoming one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, Silent One. Uh, they had such good chemistry together. Uh, this is definitely this is something this is something I should have started off the match. I'm sorry. I think we should have had it was that match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and MJF, and then the Hedefino Battle Royal uh, ladder match. I think the pace that they just split the two, it would have been a lot better because everybody would have been hyped about the beginning match, and then you get the cool down with the ladder match, which on paper sounds like the ladder match would have been like a high intensity which it kind of was but I think it would have been better if they just switched those two matches around it would have made a world of difference yeah and I obviously enjoyed this match and thought it was great I will say I there was one spot I didn't like and that was the reverse hurricanrana onto the ring apron I literally thought MJF was dead I was like what the fuck I literally screamed what the fuck as I was watching that. It's like literally like 10 times in a row. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I was freaking out because I'm literally thinking MJF is dead. And, I, and, and it's another one of those questions of why do, why do these guys keep doing moves like this? Are they trying to paralyze themselves? I'm like, M- I literally thought MJF was going to die. Other than that, the match was great. But that spot was like, Jesus, you don't need to do this. Well, it's on a pay-per-view, so they're kind of bringing up fakes, you know, when it comes to it. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, I'm totally on board with what you're saying on that. Because it, it, it had no place for it. Um, not for the fans that were in attendance, not for anything that's on there. So, I mean, all for not. I mean, the, the match was fantastic. I love these two. I never thought I wanted to see these two fight. But I see them like, actually hash out. I'm like, man, these guys could go. Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus MJF, I'll think I'll think the round two, I'll think in round number three with these two because these guys really brought it. This is one of those matches that you didn't expect to be a great match until you watch like, man, that was a breath of fresh air from the previous match. Yeah, man, it really was. And these guys did a phenomenal job. Like I said, outside of that one spot, this was a great match. It told a great story and MJF, of course, eventually using the, the heel-like tactics to take out Jungle Boy and even that weird pin that he did where he's like bridging up with his neck, which I'm surprised he can still do by the way like that was and then gets the three count and wins with this bizarre pin where it looks like both shoulders are down but you know like I said he bridges up with his neck and like my respect for MJF went up tremendously the fact that he took that horrible spot and still kept going and was still able to bridge with his neck I that shocks the hell out of me that he was capable of that and it made and the match more exciting. And not only that, though, and not only that, but the close pins on here, you know, the, you know, the roll-ups and everything else, that segment where it was going back and forth. I mean, you know how you watch, like, a typical wrestling match, WWE, AEW, NXT, whatever, we had the roll-ups, and it's, like, the most devastating move in the world where they get the three, but this one was, like, literally, like, milliseconds of being counted three, so these guys really went the distance, like, both of them did, so it's pretty nice. Oh, yeah, it was very well done. Loved every second of it. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening to crown the first ever AEW TNT champion, Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson versus Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts. So finally, we get the payoff. The, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts talking crap and having story time with Jake Roberts, which I personally still love. That's never going to get old with me. Um, I think it finally came to a head now, finally, after all the time. Uh, the tournament wasn't so much of a big tournament, but still it's a big deal because they're presenting a new title to uh, AEW, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, this match had it all. Murder Hawk looked 
actually pretty awesome in this match. It was good to see Art Anderson. It was good to see Jake the Snake Roberts interact with each other, trying to sit there and, you know, coaster people up and trying to get in, in each other's heads pretty much. Um, it was a fun-paced match. Um, you know, uh, Big Show Cody showed up today, and, I mean, it was awesome. It was just a I, – I love watching Cody work. He tells so much – so much of a story on the canvas that he's on. Him and he had a great partner in uh, the Murder Hog uh, to tell his tale from weeks of stepping up to probably having his blow-off for the championship and their feud. It was highly exciting, and the two of these guys had their—they had the AEW uh, fans on the edge of their seat at home. Even the wrestlers in the stands were going a little bit crazy, and there were two moments in this match. One that I had an issue with, and one that uh, good old Corny had an issue with, and I'm addressing both of them, obviously. So I'll I'll start with mine. Um, I had this. This is my one issue. Um, now Elvis, correct me if I'm wrong. Going into this feud, Jake Roberts is the heel. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay. Arn Anderson's supposed to be the babyface, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's my question: Why is the heel manager doing absolutely nothing? The babyface manager trips up Lance Archer, and the referee ejects both managers. From the match, that makes no sense. Uh, I have an issue with that. I, I mean, I get it, but I think it's such a high stake title match, and I'm not going to justify the actions of it. But this is going to be my line of reasoning when it comes behind it. I think the only reason they're doing a the whole thing like that is because it's such a high title match, and um, it's a new title. It shouldn't be won by shenanigans and bullshit, pretty much. Now, I mean, AEW has a flaw when it comes to an appearance and referee being blind to certain things with certain characters or wrestlers. I'll admit it. I mean, they do it. I mean, I'm not happy about it. Um, a lot of people give shit for it, but at the same time, it's just the way it is, fortunately. Um, but I think just because of um, this new title being presented to the first ever TNT Championship, then let's do away with the shenanigans. Let's not worry about Jake the Snake Roberts possibly coming in and throwing a snake on somebody. Let's not worry about um, Art Anderson getting sold a spine bust. Let's not worry about any of that. Let's just focus on a match at hand. Yeah. And that's what we had in the Murder Hawk um, and with Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Because that was my only issue. Was like, first of all, like the babyface manager interfered. I'm like, y'all supposed to be the babyfaces. Babyface ain't supposed to do that. Heel's supposed to interfere and then babyface retaliate that's usually how it's supposed to work but then again AEW sorry loves to play that game of everyone almost everyone's a tweener and like there's like a couple of babyfaces and heels and that's how I like to play but then there was an issue that Corny had again this is his problem not mine I didn't even think about it until he said it but apparently Corny 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 or listen I love Corny he is so right in so many things, but he's so wrong. But he's so entitled to his opinion uh, when it comes to these things because that's what he wants to do is to sit there and I'm not saying he, I, he hates the Bucks. I know he hates the Bucks. He hates Kenny Omega. I mean, and rightfully so. He's got his reasons back in the Ring of Honor and a whole bunch of different things. And I just kind of feel like he likes to shit on a lot of different things, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of times I listen to him and I know he's right a lot of different things. There's points where I'm like, you know what? Corey brings up a good point. But then he brings it back to the day of wrestling that we cannot fathom because we weren't alive, but we don't know anybody anything about these things. Modern wrestling has changed and Corner refused to grow with it. Exactly. And, uh, Corny, and the thing is, he doesn't bring up a lot of great points when it comes to it, but he's going to change with the times. If he can't change, he's just going to be a grumpy old man, which he is, which we love about it because no matter how much stuff he says, crappy thing that he does, he's always going to be that bitter old man. 
Oh yeah. Um, you know. Well, I, I, I understand your point, but, but but this is this is basically what he had to say, and then I want you, I want to get your thoughts on it. Basically, he, his issue was, he said, apparently when Lance Archer was walking to the ring, uh, one of the wrestlers in the stands, I think it, I think it was Big Swole, I don't remember correctly, but somebody was screaming, like kind of like taunting Lance Archer, talking shit to Lance Archer, and he said, if it was just a fan, if it was a regular fan, you know, then he wouldn't have cared about this, but he thought this is a wrestler who's Lance Archer's supposed to be this intimidating guy that everyone's afraid of. But there's somebody in the stands not backing down from Lance Archer. And Lance Archer's like, should have at least, like, shoved the person or pie-faced the person. The fact that someone is not scared of Lance Archer and Lance Archer's doing nothing about it is weird. Like he said, if it was a regular fan in the stands, he understands not clubbing a fan. But these are wrestlers. If someone's getting in your face, you should, you know, establish dominance. Like, hey, I run this bitch. So, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that's looking too much into it. I mean, okay. had he not said it, I wouldn't even caught it. If Courtney had not said it, I'm not going to look into it. I didn't catch it on there. It's one of those things that just kind of happened. Yeah, neither um, did I. You know, and, and, the thing is, and the thing is, like, let's say it was, you know, Big Swole or whatever that, that did it, though. They're just trying to make themselves look better. That's all it was. I mean, was it right? No. I mean, they should have put some kind of fear, like, oh, my God, it's the murder hawk. But, I mean, you can't... <laughs> You can't take Corey's line of defense when it comes to it. You know, you can't. You just can't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Corey has a lot of right when he says things. Todd said it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't take Corey's word for what he says to. Now, does it, does it, did it make him look weak at all? I don't think so. I mean, we've seen the devastation he's done for the past, I don't know how long. You know, he's been killing it week in, week out. And, you know, uh, in this match, unfortunately, he did take his first loss. But he's still a big beast. He's still a big hot. He's still going to be a credible threat for the foreseeable future. So, did it make him look weak? Not at all. I don't think so. And I think there's other wrestlers out there. That's the whole point. They want to be strong. They want to be tough. Uh, they want to look tough. So, they want to show that they don't have any fear. Like, look at Marcus Stunt. He gets his ass whooped on a daily basis. But he still comes out every week. He still wants to look strong. Is he? No. But mentally, he probably thinks he's Superman. <laughs> and so he's up with every person who's wearing crimson that next Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he's a G until the G's walk into the room. Well, I mean, like, you know, Marcus Stunt, he's got plenty of heart. And I can see why people gravitate towards him. That's fine. You know? But at the same time, you know, he's only a giant. I mean, even the, the thing is, we don't have a lot of giants in our company. You know? So... But as soon as he tries, he comes out there, he puts on a, a willing part, and sometimes he gets them offensive, sometimes he doesn't. And uh, if someone loses John Moxley, did you really lose? Not really. If you fight the higher up in your company and take a loss, it's like losing to the Undertaker. Did you really lose when you lost the Undertaker? Yeah, you lost on your loss record, but you fought the Undertaker. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. And either way, it was, um, you know, still a great match. And, of course, Mike Tyson was there, and uh, he backed down Jake Roberts, which was great. Uh, I love the fact that Mike Tyson still got that attitude. He's back in incredible shape. And, of course, he awarded the TNT Championship, which apparently um, is getting a lot of interesting comments are being made. Now, the thing they need to make that needs to be made clear is that the TNT title looks the way it does now because they had to stop finishing it during the coronavirus. So once, you know, business resumes, they're going to update that title and make it look better. But right now, it looks like a Raw Tag Team Championship. Yeah, it looks like shit. I mean, I'm not going to lie, dude. I mean, uh, it's a big red fruit roll-up with a big TNT one. one. I know they're going to do some more stuff, but due to production costs, we know that. I mean, we listen, We go to the dirt sheets every day. We know what's going on. You know, we find, we, find, we see photographs. Everybody's been talking shit about it, though. So they can't help the people who want to be the champions. They want to make the championship look good. I think they postponed as much as they can when they started the tournament. Maybe they could have postponed the TNT championship a long time ago, but they had some big names to get in there, like Lance Archer. 
the time he was just coming in, so they had to build a feud with uh, Cody Rhodes. Let's make this tournament. Let's make this happen. Let's have to blow off for that. You know, so yeah, exactly. And obviously, they had to have the match, and it was and it went fantastically. And Cody, and of course, hit went, won the match with two crossroads, and is now the first ever TNT champion. Which, in my opinion, he earned, he deserves it. I mean, this is a man who took himself, booking-wise, out of the world title picture. So, I see no reason why he can't hold the TNT championship. No, I think so, too. I think it's the right call to do. Uh, did he book himself into it? I don't think so. I think it was, uh... Because he's, like, the only one making decisions there. He's not. So, I mean, like, it's other people. Tony Khan, you got Kenny Omega, Young Bucks. So, everybody's coming together collectively to see how this could come together. So, realistically, I think it was a good choice. Cody is the prime example for your first champion on there because it opens so much more opportunity for other wrestlers to go after that title. You could have Murder Hawk try to come back. You have Darby Allen. Um, you have so many different potentials. Sammy G, Sean um, Beard. There's so much work that can be done with Cody being champion. And uh, I, for one, am excited about it. Cody Rhodes is a perfect champion at the time right now for TNT, for a TNT champion, uh, which is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be great. I do too, man. I have a lot of faith in Cody. He's, out of everybody in that in that booking team, minus Tony Khan, Cody's the one guy that I trust. It's like him and Tony I have the most faith in. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, which this match was changed. Because uh, for those of you may not know, at AEW, we had two separate injuries take place. Ray Phoenix was injured from the bad spot he had, so they replaced him with, uh, you know, Bitch Boy. So then we had to replace also Dr. Britt Baker, who injured her leg in the tag team match. Apparently that match was not kayfabe. It seems to be a real injury, from what I can tell. And unless they're really kayfabe, in which case, props. Uh, but it looks real as fuck. And so the match was Chris Statlander faces, instead of Britt Baker, Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian? Yeah, um, I think it was a good replacement. At the same time, I think it was a good wrestling match. Um, Penelope Ford I know I've seen a couple times before, and I wasn't, I wasn't impressed, but I wasn't unimpressed at the same time. You kind of feel what I'm talking about when I'm saying that she's good, but she's not that good. And she's not bad, but she's not that bad either. She's, like, right there. Yeah, she's in the um, middle. She's decent. She's right up the middle. That was my perception before this match started. Now, I'm not sure maybe because she had a great dance partner in uh, Statlander to really bring the this part, I, mean, I saw from Penelope before and from Chris Statlander, and you've seen Chris Statlander. She could go. Yeah, she's amazing in that ring. She definitely is a future AEW uh, women's champion, no doubt. She deserves the women's title at some point down the road. Oh, definitely. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think Statlander, I'm not sure that, you know, maybe something happened. Maybe they practiced a lot before, but whatever the situation was, this match, I mean, usually when you have women's matches in AEW, you kind of like, you know, kind of, so this is why it blew my mind a little bit more um, the way she had herself in the ring with uh, Chris Statlander and man it, it was just a fun pure wrestling match where uh, my expectations were raised for uh, the future of Penelope Ford so going forward I'm looking forward to this girl working in the future because I think she has a bright future and she keeps up this level of wrestling going forward absolutely I, I do too uh, I thought the match between the two of them was stellar uh, the, only, the only my only question was Kip Sabian was just in the ladder match got beat up to smithereens and is out there on crutches with taped ribs 
I don't feel like he needed to be there. He, he served literally no purpose. He couldn't help Penelope win. He was very little to nothing as a hype man. Why do you need to come out on the crutches? Just let him stay in the back. I felt like he was a distraction from the great wrestling that was going on in the ring. I, I mean, I hear you. I mean, I think he just wants to support his real-life fiance, so that's pretty much what it was. Okay. Um, you know you know how it is, like, new puppy love, when you find a person to be with, you want to get married, you're engaged, you're in that honeymoon phase, that's where he's at. Yeah. So it just shows that, you know, it doesn't matter if he's got broken ribs or broken leg or something, he wants to be out there to support his girl. So I'm in support of love. I love love, so let's make it happen. When you put it like that, it makes perfect sense. And on that note, we'll move on to the next match of the evening. Uh, this was a... had an interesting start to it. It was kind of added pretty close to the last minute, but still a great match. Uh, Dustin Rhodes with Brandy in his corner versus Sean Spears, the chairman. Oh, the chairman. He can do no wrong in my eyes. That man is simply phenomenal. He is a gem in AEW. I'm so glad we have him there. And he called up um, the natural Dustin Rhodes, so uh, they had to bring a fight today. So uh, what'd you think about this match? I loved the beginning of it where um, they were trying to have him, like, they were doing the entrance music and Dustin was coming down. When I saw that the camera was directly behind the back of Sean's head, I knew he was going to turn around with the gotcha. Like, I just saw it coming and I'm like, but they timed it to where I still had to question it because it was going on way too long. And then he turns around and goes, ha ha, I got you guys and everything else. And then the referee's beginning the count of the t- the, for the count out and then all of a sudden the music plays again and you're like, uh-oh. He's like, no, you only had to play it twice and everything else. And then all of a sudden, Dustin shows up behind him and attacks. And what I found the most interesting about it was I think because there were wrestlers in the stands and not actual fans, that's why we couldn't tell. Because usually in wrestling, you can tell when someone's going to interfere. And this is whether you're an analyst or just a regular fan. You know when someone's creeping up behind because the crowd sees them and goes crazy. So as soon as you hear the crowd, you're like, somebody's coming, and then they cut the camera to them. So you know within a few seconds if someone's coming out because they see because the crowd reacts to everything because they see it before we do. So because there were no fans, we had no idea if Dustin was gonna come. That Dustin was creeping up behind them, and I loved that. I loved, I loved the for the first time as a wrestling fan not knowing that the sneak oh, attack. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. The fact that you don't know what's going on. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. Is it not? Like, you're not hearing the, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you're like, what's everybody cheering about? Oh, there's somebody there, isn't there? Yep, there is. Like, we had that same feeling, like, um, a few years ago when when AJ Styles debuted at the Rumble. Like, they played that music and they were zoomed in on Roman Reigns' face. So, we're sitting, so you and I are sitting, and you and I were sitting next to each other and we're like, who the hell has that music? And we're listening. Then all of a sudden, you hear the crowd going freaking crazy because they see the phenomenal pop up. We don't. And then all of a sudden, it cuts to Styles walking out with, the with the hoodie on and everything and you and I marking out louder than anybody else in the room. That's true. That we went so fucking crazy. True. But we but they knew before we did because they saw the phenomenal and we didn't. So I love that that was a first in wrestling to my knowledge. The not no the fans at home not knowing. I love that. And then they had a match and it was three minutes and twenty seconds, but that was all they needed. And when that's when when you have the right guys working together, sometimes that's all you need. It's like most people get mad when matches are short. But here's the thing. It was short, but it wasn't a squash. Those guys really did fight. And the only time Dustin Rhodes got offense was when Sean Spears struggled to take his suit jacket off. 
that it was like half the match there. Yeah, it was it was great though. I I enjoyed it. Like it was three minutes and twenty seconds of great storytelling and in ring action. So I love. Sometimes it. that's all you need. It doesn't have to be a 10, 20, 30 minute match. You know, sometimes it's the short and sweet ones where it, it delivers and goes straight to the point. Um, do you think this lost anything for Sean Spears? I mean, ultimately, you think? No, I think Sean is so great at being a heel on the mic that it made you look forward to seeing him get his ass kicked by Dustin. I don't think it hurt him at all. Well, this is the thing. Like, in in AEW, he's in shining. I remember I didn't really care for him too much in WWE, but, man, I'm reveling with him here in AEW. Um, I told you last week my favorites now, so Kenny Omega went down my list. He's not cutting it the way he's supposed to be, so I told you Kenny Omega is off my list right now. Sean Spears, Phoenix, and Sammy G, my favorite wrestlers right now, and Darby Allen, sorry, currently on AEW. Those are my top picks right now for AEW because I love those guys so much. They are so freaking good. They bring in a week in, week out where Kenny Omega has been pussyfooting it. I'm sorry, Kenny, yeah. but you have. Yes, you know, and, um, and I know it's going to sound cliche, but my guys are Jericho, Broken Matt and Cody, you know, and I, I'll admit MJF is on that list as well, you know. So I'm, but I'm, I'm like, I'm loving what Jericho's doing there. I love that Matt Hardy's letting himself shine more. They're letting him shine more, and Cody's just been great on the mic since AEW started, and he's always been great in the ring. So he's putting everything together. And Dustin, I, I love seeing Dustin get a win because I feel like Dustin. I, I know that the, the eventually the day's gonna come where he's going to retire. But I feel like he has so much left in the tank that he doesn't have to leave yet because he can still go. And when someone his age can still go like that, I want to see it. It's when they can't physically go anymore and you know it that I ultimately want the guys to hang it up. But Dustin, haven't seen him put on a bad match since coming to AEW. Haven't seen it. That's true. So That's true. That's very true. So I, I want to see him keep going. Like I said, I, I want him to get one run with that AEW world title before he hangs it up. Once he gets that title, as soon as he drops the belt, he decides to retire after that. Totally fine with it. Love it. I'd be okay with him fighting just Cody for that TNT championship if Cody was still retained for quite some time. And then when they have a retirement match, he goes, like, I want to fight for one more title. That's yours versus my brother. The way it was supposed to be at WrestleMania years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, that'd be yeah. pretty cool. World championship, not so much. TNT championship versus his brother, book it all day. All right. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. A no disqualification, no countout match for the AEW Women's Championship. Nyla Rose defends the title against Hikaru Shida. Oh, my God. Elvis's babies. First baby one tonight. Statlander. She's a gem. Sheeta. Oh my god. Was this a match to see how many uh, different objects we could use in a certain match? How many times will Nala Rose and Sheeta fall through the tables? Because boy, oh boy, did we get that a plenty. This thing was phenomenal. And I am so happy with the end of this match, but still doesn't take away from the whole match. Nala Rose, this was Nala Rose's best outing, I think, in a long, long, I mean, ever, I think. Yeah. Uh, it just it just proves to how great she has been like in the past couple weeks building up to the number one contendership um, going against a bigger a, a huge beast in Nala Rose and this match I never thought I'd be so excited about a women's match I haven't felt this good about women's wrestling like in a quite some time since we had like Becky Lynch and uh, Charlotte and Bailey um, all of them you know come together and Sasha Banks they first came into NXT when that whole revolution thing started even before they came into the main roster 
when you had that buzz around NXT when I was going around, remember how excited everybody was about those takeovers, like those epic matches they had? Sheeta is like the leader of the women's group over there. Um, and this was such a good outing between Sheeta and Nala Rose. I love this match. I'm so happy the way it turned out because this match was brutal and they still kept on ticking. Yeah, I mean, they were literally killing each other in this match. And Sheeta, she needed, this, this was her time to be the champion. Because since it, pretty much since AEW has been on TV, I, um, I can't remember if she's competed at the other pay-per-views or not. I haven't really seen much of her on those other shows. But since AEW's been on TV, Sheeta has delivered. Always. Every time. Every time. Every time. And, and when she talks, I can understand what the hell she's saying, which helps me out personally because one thing I can't stand about the other company is their women's champion speaks Japanese gibberish. This one, I can actually understand what she's talking about. So, love that. So, Sheeta, to me, had everything to be ready to be a champion. And plus, not a fan of Nyla. So that made it even better for me. And I was... So when Sheeta won that match, that to me was... I don't want to say it was... If, if, if it wasn't the match of the night, it's definitely number two. Well, I mean, it definitely was. And I just hope that um, Sheeta doesn't think about... I don't think it's going to happen. But have you noticed, like, every time there's a women's champion, they're never on TV, that better not be the case. Because I know uh, Riho was busy with other things. I'm not sure what, but she was busy with other things where she couldn't be on TV. Nala Rose finally gets a championship, and then she was off TV for a long time, where Sheeta was there week in, week in out, you know, fighting people from... You know, or in developmental, you know, building people up, making people look better. Like I said a couple weeks ago in a podcast, she's been the locker room leader. She's been building people up, not only just burying them when, they, when she beats them, but make, elevating them to her level, which is magic to see in itself. So I am, I'm, I'm okay with it. I am so happy with the whole situation. Me too. I love it. I think she is going to be a great women's champion, and I hope she holds that belt for a very long time. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW World Championship. John Moxley defended the title against Mr. Brody Lee. And this was a big-time feel fight. I mean, this is something... I'm not saying, like, there was a lot of lot of build-up to it. Because, I mean, it kind of was, but not really. It was kind I think it was kind of generic in a way. And I'll, I'll say it out loud. It was kind of fake. You know, kind of kind of not great build-up. You know, it, they have some elements of, you know, there's some kind of history between the two, yes. Um, two former people from a previous company um, having different attitudes, different personalities. Have they faced each other before in different factions? Yes, they have. But this is a whole new division over here. Brody Lee... Um, coming in massively into this match and John Moxley just two big beefy uh, hosses literally beating the crap out of each other I mean this kind of level of violence was not needed but it happened and I enjoyed it every last minute of it because Brody Lee um, in this match look this is the kind of match I needed to see from him because usually it's just been like squash matches after squash matches you know he had a match with like Christopher Daniels I think so, I mean, like, you know, not too much competition to go his way. So he felt like he was bigger than God. And Moxley kind of put it, you know, just put a reality check on him pretty much to say, hey, this is the upper echelon. This is what you need to do to get the thing won. So this was pretty good. I liked it. What did you think about the match? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great back and forth. I was shocked that Moxley won, but I kind of liked the way 
that he did, choking out Brody Lee. Uh, the paradigm shift through the stage was like another one of those holy shit moments. Because I see them go through it, and I see that piece of wood up there. When, I know. When the fabric dropped, I'm like, how did that not touch either one of their heads? Somebody. Again, I'm worried. Again, how did no one's neck break on that? I was worried that how did like Brody Lee's head not touch the wood? How did the back of uh, Moxley's neck not touch that? Like those are moments where I'm. I, I should be thinking. Well, I, I, I think like 10, 10, 20 years ago, I would have been like, holy shit, it's a great moment. But now as an analyst, I'm kind of like, holy shit, he's going to break his neck. Like I have a whole different look on it now. And so it's a great moment, but I still keep thinking, how are you not dead? Like that is what amazes me. And I did notice one aspect of the match. I don't know if you noticed it too, but there was a moment towards the end. And I can't remember what move Moxley hit. Might have been the paradigm shit. This was in the ring. Brody Lee kicked out at one. And then Moxley, from the angle I saw, I think he potatoed Brody in this match. I think he was like, the, like those, those punches and knees, they look stiff. I think Brody was, I think I think Moxley got mad that Brody didn't kick out at two and he just pummeled him for that. And then he's like locking in that chokehold. Of course, that was probably the end of the match to just like choke him out or something. But like when I saw those punches and knees, that looked too real. It looked like he was pissed off that Brody kicked out at one there. Because I was mad that he kicked out at one. Like what the hell? And then I th- did you think Moxley stiffed him? Um, I think maybe he did. You know, he kind of st- he kind of stepped out of bounds for me because the thing is, Box is selling like a bastard for every move that Brody Lee's kicking out or throwing at him. He's throwing like the kitchen sink at him. He's throwing like everything at him, and Box is selling like a bastard. And then Brody Lee wasn't reciprocating the same kind of respect that uh, Mox was giving him. So he's like, dude, no, no, I'm the world champion. Uh, we we got this match. We talked about this. We we layer we layer this out. You can't do that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's a certain amount of respect when it comes to it. Maybe yeah. Brody Lee, maybe he just wasn't too wise to it or maybe he thought it was a two instead of being a one so there's there many different ways to do it though but I don't think Brody Lee's gonna be doing that again I think he probably got an earful from Moxley and probably Tony after he's like hey man you know you fucked up but you can't do that because you're gonna lose all credibility when it comes to things like this yeah and because because I'm like I said that look because I know in some cases that's how wrestlers solve problems like that like like I said they're not gonna like they take care of each other in the ring they're not gonna injure each other but if you but if you make a mistake like that in the ring where you try to where you're trying where you either accidentally or on purpose are burying your opponent, they will tag you a couple times for real and give you like real shots in order to protect the business, as they say. So that looked like Moxie was doing that because I'm like, those look way too real. Nothing there looked pulled. And I was like, ow! Like, I'm like, I, it, felt like a, it felt like a UFC fight at the end when he's like punching him, punching him, and then he knees him in the face. I'm like, fuck, that hurts. And then he just grabs a neck and he's choking him. And I'm like, fuck. I got scared there. I was like, I think Moxie's going to kill him. <laughs> So that was so that I felt like yeah I felt like he was Brody got got a little lesson there and it scared the hell out of me I'm like that did not look scripted and yeah they they, they did work on that um, there's a lot of communication there's a lot of things that I mean I mean as a fan you know I love AEW wholeheartedly but the thing is like there is a lot of things that AEW needs to clean up um, when it comes to polishing off their talent when it comes to uh, botch spots when it comes to communication because the thing is as much as fun that AEW is right now to watch um, there's a lot of stuff that's wrong with it. I'm not going to be a blind fan to it, um, but I'm not going to be a Jim Cornette about it either. Um, yeah. Was this pay-per-view fun from top to bottom? I think so. Um, did it have a lot of things that they could have fixed up? I think so also. Um, they need to figure out what works for them and make it their general thing because, okay, so let's just start from everywhere from top to bottom. The ladder match, 
too many comedy spots. Fix that. We don't need it all the time. Um, and this is the way it should have been. It should have been Marco Stunt in the first match, the ladder match in the middle, and then you're going to or the second match, and you're going to have Cody Rhodes. If you put those together, that dynamic right there would have been up and down, up and down, where it wouldn't have been so bad. Um, comedy yeah. spots, spots, places, you know, from Janela, private party. Um, and the accidents happen. It's wrestling. You know, you try to be perfect. You try to do everything else. Um, Joe Janela needs some help with when it comes to his facial expressions, when it comes to um, emoting certain emotions when it comes to the screen. I think you do a lot better. Um, I think AEW could be together, could be better altogether as a whole. This is their pay-per-view. They don't have too many of them, so you have to make the most of it because if you're going to shell out that kind of money for a pay-per-view, it's got to be better. Now, this one was pretty okay, but it could have been, again, a lot better. Yes, absolutely. And on that note, we have the main event of the evening, the Stadium Stampede match, the Elite and Broken Matt Hardy versus the Inner Circle. Uh, this was kind of weird. <laughs> um, it, it was. I mean, it reminds me of back in the day when, like, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair used to fight, like, in a, a baseball stadium, which, even to this day, when you watch the videos, those matches are spectacular. It was still weird not having, like, the barricade of fans behind there and people fighting, like, in the stands. And don't, don't get me wrong, it was a cool setup. You know, you had, like, a neon signs, um, the inner circle. You had, like, where the uh, where they scored the touchdowns, the end goals, or the, where the field goals are at. It said, like, the elite on there. It was a cool Setup. Um, Hangman coming out on a horse chasing down Sammy G. Super cool. A lot of fun spots. It was a great match, but it's still, to me, I think it's because I'm not used to seeing it. I kind of felt weird about the whole match. Did you not? Yeah. There was a lot of things in the match I thought were weird. Um, first of all, I love that the inner circle came out in football. I like the fact they did NFL stadium type entrances where they're now. And, and I love the fact the inner circle came out in matching jerseys with numbers on the back and each number represented something important to them. Like they treated it like a football stadium. You know, they're coming out, you know, even, even, uh, Sammy G had that football helmet on, which, you know, it, it, it looked, it would look stupid anywhere else, but it fit the gimmick and what they were doing. But then the Elite comes out and the Bucks, they just have to come out together because apparently they're too cool to get down with the gimmick. I mean, they do... This is a this is a faction that does goofy shit all the time, but they can't be bothered to put on, like, jerseys and have numbers on the back and do something fun here. That This, this is now the part where they want to say they're too cool for school. Like, it's like, apparently they're, apparently they're only allowed to do goofy shit if it involves nine-year-olds and blow-up dolls and super kicks oh God, every 10 seconds. Oh my I, god, when do we get Jim, when do we get Jim Cornette on here? Holy shit. I Whoa, just what the fuck? No, I'm just saying. They do this goofy shit all the time, but you can't you can't do it for a stadium stampede match. They can't it, it would have been cool if like Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, nope, it's the young books. They gotta walk out together because they're too cool for school. It just it bothered me. Like Wow, you have, sound just like you just like you sound like uncle or grandpa freaking Cornette. When you, like, don't get me wrong, I'll, if it really pisses you off, I get it. It does. But, like at the same time, like okay. I'm not trying to I sound mean, like Cornette, but I, I know I do, you, you but you sound like him. You sound like, like except without the cussing and having the other guy talk. Um you sound just like him, like, God damn it, they're running out of business, they're killing it. Um <laughs> But, whatever. But I'm, um, but I'm not even 
but no. my, the point I'm trying to make is that they'll do that stuff all day. But when it comes to a stadium stampede, you can't be bothered to suddenly putting on a jersey and a number what on the your, back. What are, your, what are your What are your expectations for a stadium stampede? It's the first time we ever saw one, Vinny. So what? The inner circle were more cohesive because, like, literally between uh, the inner circle and the elites, uh, I would say the inner circle is more of a mesh team. They actually do things together. They hang out with each other. They do the bubbly bunch. They do that whole uh, video where they had Lou Frigo. So they're all a cohesive team. Where the inner circle, there's still like dissension between everybody there. Um, obviously, so obviously the they, elites they not getting just... along. So that, I, that 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 was his one thing. But then after that, I thought the match itself was great. I understood why they did a stadium stampede match because I think they wanted to really have this fight between the elite and inner circle and didn't want to and didn't want to keep dragging it on to blood and guts because we don't know when we're ever going to see the blood and guts match they were planning. But I like the stadium match because it allows social distancing a little bit. And there were some aspects I enjoyed. I liked the I liked the feel. I liked the part where it was like they kicked where like they're throwing footballs at Jericho. I liked um, I liked the Northern Light suplexes down the that made it look like he did it from one end of the end zone to the other end of the end zone. I thought that was great. Um, Adam Page coming out on a fucking horse. Yeah, he did some cowboy shit, man. It, did, it was cowboy shit, so it worked. I loved it. I loved it. And then Adam Page like drinking in a bar. <laughs> He's not even fighting. I'm like, Kenny's drinking milk. Kenny's drinking milk. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, all right, Kurt Angle. Um, but he's so doing all this fun shit. And then there was one aspect of the match. And again, this is one of those things that we wouldn't have noticed unless somebody on the internet bitched about it. But there was the scene, the moment with Matt Hardy and probably Pri- not LAX. Um, and they're was fighting. It, was, it the pool scene? was it the pool scene? The pool scene, yes. And apparently, some fans got outraged on social media because not LAX was at one point trying to drown Matt Hardy in the three foot pool. And people thought that with the death of Shad, that was in bad taste. What do you think? Oh, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Fuck them. You know, no, fuck them. Listen, I love Shad. He was amazing in Crime Time, okay? Um, it's unfortunate what happened to him, you know? He he did the right thing, trying to save his son and his whole thing. I, I mean, you're gonna get mad about things. That's what I hate about the internet. You get mad. They get mad about the smallest things. They just want to find something to be mad about and point it out and say, "Ha ha! I made everybody mad. Fuck you guys. Hey, I'm mad about this. You should be mad about this too. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> that's that's what's going on in your life. You're, you're so much in a pandemic that you can get to find things to be mad about. Yeah. It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to Shad. No, Shad will probably approve that if he was alive today. Um, it's unfortunate. He drowned the way he did, but at the same time, I'm, they're very conscious. That family circle, this Carney thing we were watching, everybody's a big family. You don't think that Cody has friends in WWE and NXT and all his different things? Like, they're all friends. They're family. They're just working for different companies. Like, you know, I could be working at Home Depot. You can work at Lowe's. You know, it's just a difference of what badge we're wearing. That's it. We're still friends. We're still yeah. family. So it's like, that's what you're going to be mad about? Fuck you guys. Like, those people on the internet, they could suck a dick. Seriously. Cause exactly. People on the internet are just. They, I mean, they just want to sit there and stir the pot because they got nothing else better to do. So those people who said that fucking hurtful and stupid shit, they could suck a big, fat dick. Hairy, big, long dick. Because I don't give two fucks about them, really. I, I, I 100% agree with you. In fact, somebody wrote that, uh, asked it. Well, some people were outraged about it, but this one guy asked it as a general question. So I gave him an answer. And this is what I had to say. I wrote this on Twitter. I said, Matt Hardy has done this spot for years. 
with the Lake of Reincarnation. And it is entertaining every time. Because he's getting he's going in the water, then he's coming out as V1, or coming out as the extreme guy, whatever. Matt, they've done this shit before. Hell, her, Shane Helms has been knocked in there and come out as three count, and come out as the hurricane, and come out as all that thing. So, I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because of a tragic loss, because I know they're not connected. Plus, it happens in a three-foot pool, not at a beach. Now, if this is something that happened on a beach, yeah, I think that's a little extreme and being bad taste. But in a three-foot pool, no. It's a three-foot pool, and Matt's doing a spot that he's always done long before that incident ever happened. So, no. I, I 100% agree. You can suck a dick if that offended you. It was a great spot, great segment, very entertaining. In the end, the Elite manages to win with the, uh, the one-winged angel off the top of this like dugout area thing and they get the win that way and um yeah the elite ends up winning this match which again there's so much dissension between them i thought that was odd uh, and I, i'm gonna point this last thing and i'm gonna stay off of it if you get offended for things like that when it comes to trying to find things be offended be offended just be offended bitch like seriously just stay offended keep it to yourself and quit being a fucking bitch and try to sit there and try to shine a light on something that's horrible if you're gonna be disrespected be disrespected your boys and voice all you want no one's gonna give two fucks about you you're just a, a fucking crying little fucking snowflake you just can't handle a real fucking life i don't understand the internet sometimes i go on yahoo sometimes i see like these stupid news articles and uh people just doing stupid stuff and it's like they see something and they have a whole different take or they make up their own take and people are like well that guy has a good point that person is a blah 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 i'm like oh my god you guys are all stupid fucking idiots like i would take jericho's words and say shut your fucking ass like <laughs> shut your ass exactly and <laughs> there's gonna be plenty more of that to come uh on the next episode of AEW, which we're not going to talk about here but overall the elite won this match personally uh i look at it like this i don't know if they if they still plan on doing a blood and guts match between inner circle and the elite but if they do if they do then i felt the inner circle should have won this so then when they have blood and guts the elite could win that but if they're just going to get rid of it all together then i understand the elite winning the match but I just felt like the inner circle should have had this one. Because they like you said, like we said before, they're a more cohesive unit. They're more organized. They do stuff together. The elite's disorganized. And I felt like that should have been a motivator to give them all a kick in the ass to get on the same page and then they go into the blood and guts match and dominate. So anyway, that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up uh this recap of AEW Double or Nothing. We thank you guys for tuning in and make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Be on the lookout for the latest episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment where we will be giving our predictions for WWE King and Queen of the Ring set to take place tomorrow on the Peacock. So if it's not out already, you should definitely check out our predictions for that pay-per-view on the Male Soap Opera Moment as we gear up for this great pay-per-view event. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th 
for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you guys join us live on Twitch for the biggest party of the summer. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. You can also support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. Same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99, $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold to the Peacock, you got where to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than Network, and unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it'll be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.